Dotnet Rocks, episode 1302, with guest Oren Eni. Recorded Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016. Hey, guess what? We're back. We're still in Belgium. What do you know? <laughs> we're making lots of shows today, having a good time doing it. Yeah, we're recording eight shows while we're here. Yeah. And also Over two, two days. Uh, also the uh, nine, including the open source panel Yeah, that we did just a little while ago. Uh, man, it's good to be here. We love Belgium. Thanks to the Techorama guys, Gil Claren and the crew. Yep. Uh, it's a great conference if you've never thought about it. Yeah, it's packed in here. Like, yeah. a thousand plus people. This is a busy little show. And they built us a nice booth. Yeah, it's made good. of plywood, which is yeah, cool. It's great. It's, it's great. You know, we always get those Freeman sort of... Yeah, you know, this when we do a road trip, we're in a Winnebago. Yeah. When we go to Belgium, we have a plywood booth. <laughs> it's just, we're rustic, man. A, that's the way we are. We're okay with the logos and the that's stuff. That's fine, so, man. Yeah. There's a big sign on the door that says Dot Rocks, but more do you want? It's like a campground, yeah. you know? <laughs> All campground right. for geeks. Yeah, campground for geeks. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Oranini is here. We'll be talking with him in just a few minutes, and it's going to be awesome, I'm sure. But right now, we have a little thing called Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? All right. Well, this is show 1302. So if you go to 1302.pwop.me, that takes you to... Uh, a very interesting thing called DeckHub. DeckHub? Not now, GitHub, but DeckHub. Yeah, and now you use TweetDeck, right? I do. And what if you had like a TweetDeck for Git? That's really interesting. Wouldn't that be awesome? So, it's actually not just for, not for Git, it's for GitHub. In, okay, so I can monitor GitHub projects yeah. and, and people? Yeah. Oh, well, that's just really cool. How, is, how cool is that? You know, for Humanitarian Toolbox, we've got lots of contributions going on all the time. So right. just being able to have that view of all the projects ticking along. Can you imagine like a 60-inch screen TV or something up on the wall with this running on it? Yeah, it might be. That's really interesting. This yeah. is cool, man. Thanks. I knew. I knew you'd like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's very I cool. I even think Oren would like it. <laughs> I actually think that uh, I have a 20 people in the team now. And something like that where uh, someone is go off and work on a feature for, you know, a yeah. couple of weeks before they send a pull request. Mm -hmm. That's awesome to see how they progress without always yeah. sneaking up after behind them and saying, what's going on? Exactly. <laughs> how you do it. And I've always saw that uh, the description of that, of asking a developer how things are going, is ripping a, a, a flower out of the ground and looking at its roots. <laughs> How's it growing? <laughs> He's taking back if you don't leave me alone, it's never going to grow. <laughs> right. Well, um, just so that you know, it's getdeckhub.com. And um, the pricing is free for a trial for 15 days. And then if you want to buy it, it's 10 bucks. So it's really nothing. 10 bucks. I know. It's not. Two lattes. It's two lattes, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. That's what I got. Deck Hub. Know it, learn it, love it. Who's talking to us, my friend? I know we're going to talk NoSQL today with Oren, so I went back <laughs> digging through some NoSQL shows, uh, and I found show 819. Wow. So 500 shows ago <laughs> in November of 2012, which was part of the 2012 road trip. Oh, yeah. We were in Reston, Virginia. I remember that. Is when we sat down together to talk yeah and i thought yeah you know because you were just saying how nice it is to all be together to record as opposed to you know it's late at night for you in israel it's early morning for me and you know that's when dynamic. dot net developers were just trying to figure out what no sequel was yeah exactly and one of the comments on this show which is not the comment i'm going to read mentioned this whole hey it's not sequel that you know it's sql and i'm like i'm here to tell you that is not true right tell us the story so Ted Codd, who was an IBM researcher. Dr. Codd. Dr. Codd came up with the original specification for relational databases in the 1970s. And then IBM started doing an implementation. They already had a database, so this was the second database design they were doing. Their first database not being relational. This is the second database, which is why they called it... DB2. DB2, exactly. And so they needed a new querying language for it as well. So being their second querying language, they called it SQL. 
S-E-Q-U-E-L. Sequel. Then they found out they weren't allowed to trademark that because it's a word. So they dropped all the vowels and were left with S-Q-L. And then later came up with, well, what are we going to make S-Q-L mean? Oh, we'll call it structured query language. Except that we know perfectly well the language is not particularly well structured. Structured. It's not only for (laughs) querying. That's right. right? It's a dumb name, but it's how most of the acronyms actually come about. And so it is SQL, not S-Q-L, because it comes from the word SQL. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, not the comment I wanted to read, actually. This comment, and admittedly, from three and a half years ago, is from Douglas Schott, who said, I got a chance to talk to Richard at the Jacksonville stop of the tour. This is from 2012. And we discussed exactly this. And this show was the one we were talking about. Hey, let's use the NoSQL store to capture objects in the transactional flow so that they nice and fast for the for the customer and then later decompose those objects into relational stores like because relational databases are good at querying that's mm-hmm. a useful thing to do with it so you do these two steps it may be only a few milliseconds behind but you're not holding up the thread on the production side right and on the transactional side it's all asynchronous that way and so Douglas and I you know chatted at at this for about this model in Jacksonville I'm already formulating a migration strategy to an architecture similar to this for a national product that I am lead on. Once you commit to the idea that your SQL database is not sacred and really only serves a few specific purposes well, it becomes exciting to look at alternative persistent strategies that better fit your application model. And that was three plus years ago that he, that he wrote that. I mean, I hope, Douglas, I'm going to send you a mug that you'll write back and tell us how it went. Because I'm right. presuming now it's been built and it's glorious and you've been promoted and your life is better all because of a drunken conversation <laughs> in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> right. I don't know if you remember, but uh, immediately after this, uh, the show was recorded, I was about to go home, and a big storm hit. That's right. The, yeah. And that was the hurricane. Hurricane yeah. Sandy. Sandy. Yeah, and I'm, I was literally at the gate to, the, uh, to fly to New York, from New York to home. And what happens was that they, I see the, the, the plane leaving. Right. I'm on the gate. Yeah. There's on a week, we, uh, all flights are canceled. It's flying away. I can see it. Right. And Where are you going? And you're not on it. Yes. So I'm asking the okay, when do I have my next flight? Oh, it's probably when the f- the uh, flight will resume in a week or two. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, in so, a week or two. Yeah, no. What happened was that uh, on advice on someone who actually lives in the state, I rented a car and drove to a, drove somewhere, something like 10, 10 12 hours. And Probably drove south, went down to Florida, got below the storm. That's yeah, what I did. So, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it felt very much like being in a disaster movie. Yeah. I'm driving, driving behind me, there is the cloud, and this, yeah. and, the, and <laughs> as I'm driving, the, Dude, the storm we were right goes behind, faster. You were right behind me. I, and you remember all the bucket trucks that were driving north? Yeah. It's they were all, all the rescue equipment, all the rescue all that trucks. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I'm, I'm, at some point I'm stopping to uh, fill up some gas. And in the time that I stopped to fill the gas, it moved from uh, being close to dark to complete dark and <laughs> a, a lightning struck everything. It's coming for you. Yeah. That's what I remember from that trip. That's awesome. Hey, I've got to close this out because Douglas, yeah. thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And send us a tweet. We fix our XLR cables with them. <laughs> I just, something. I don't know. You know, you know it com- when it comes down to the second and you have to say something, you say look something. around the room. Oh, there's an XLR cable. Yeah, that's, that's how that one happened. We reverse our polarity with them. Ah, yeah, there you go. That might be even better. Okay, so let me introduce Oren Eni. He's the author, of course, of RavenDB and uh, also a leading figure in other well-known open source projects, including Enhibernate, uh, RhinoMox, uh, Rhino Tools Suite, Castle Project. He has over 15 years, probably 20 years experience now in the development world with a strong focus on architecture and best practices that promote quality software and zero friction development. 
He also happens to be just a really sweet guy. <laughs> <laughs> For a large, intimidating Israeli yeah. with a little baby. You brought your family yeah, to Belgium. Very cool. Yeah. Little baby. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I, got, uh, I got a suggestion to get a boot babe. Oh, I see. Yes. Baby. Baby. Got yes. it. So, so I thought it much better to have a boot baby. Nice. Yeah. How old is she? Uh, one year, three weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just. just I'm not count. Just a little baby. Very cool. Uh, I mean, Raven's been going for a few years now. How uh, how is that? We started Raven in 2008. So that's yeah. eight years. Well, the first production deployment was in 2010, and it's been going awesome. Like. The, the number of users, the number of the, pretty much every number that they can try goes up. All the all the things going in the right direction. Yeah, and you're doing a talk here about relational stores. I'm doing talk here about modeling in non-relational world. Okay. Uh, what Douglas said was actually uh, very accurate. Right. In the sense that getting rid of that sort of sequel majesty and mystery. The thing about the, it's all about the, the the kind of modeling that you can do, right? Uh, and in a relational database, you're stuck with relational database, mm-hmm. and you have tables. That's it. And the kind of application that we build today are much much more complex than that. Hey, but you know what? You do have in a relational database a text field, <laughs> so you can do it, Oranini. You think I'm stupid, but I got the I got the news, man. Absolutely, and you can also do dynamic data in uh, SQL using ETL, uh, e- EVA, entity val- entity attribute value EAV, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can store everything into a text. He's or binary basically field. listing off all the bad practices. Oh, yes. yes. You take right a text now. field, you can fill it with XML. Yes. <laughs> and you can even do XML indexes on that if, you're, yes. oh if you are really masochist and want to actually, see how much you can. We've actually cry. heard of developers doing that. Oh, sure. We, yeah. You ever heard the line, surgeons bury their mistakes? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Database developers cover them in stored procedures. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. The reason that Raven came into being was that uh, I was very active in the open source community and, for, and because of Hibernate, I started getting to companies and starting to talk to them. I got uh, into Hibernate, into architecture and eventually it ended up somehow I go to a company and I spent a, a week or two pointing out all of the horrible little and big things that they do to their database. Yeah. Sure. Uh, one case in question, I remember I spent uh, two weeks rewriting a section of the code that um, they, they had a problem with. Basically, uh, it was a trivia, a very complex trivia, and every time that you went down the line, in, went down in the trivia hierarchy, it would cost them about forty seconds. Oh my goodness! Yes. Wow! So they brought in an amazing DBA, and he sat on that for a couple of months, and he came up with the appropriate schema and indexes and whatnot, and he managed to reduce the time by hundred percent. So now what? opening a trivia would only take you. A, a 20, 20 seconds. Yeah, so we cut it in half. Oh, yes. by, a, by 100%. Yes. yes. So, so we cut I it. thought you meant he took it all away. Yeah. Took no, away no, all no, of the time. no, no, no. I, I got it. it. But I you understand, it. he committed a miracle. I yes. mean, he cut the time in half, yeah. and it was nowhere near fast enough. No. That's the joke, right? No. Yeah, sure. that's, that's crazy. Right. And eventually, uh, and eventually, I sit down and look at what they're trying to do, and what they're trying to do. Uh, they have a secure trivia, and you can see certain aspects of the trivia, but not all of them. Oh, so based for, on your privilege. Yes. So the trivial example is that let's say that uh, I work for Richard, and Richard works for you. Yeah. And so what happened is that I can s- so I can see that I work for Richard. I cannot see that Richard works for you. Right. So when I'm looking at the trivia and I'm opening the route. I need to see Richard and then me. Yep. And not you. But yep. in order to get to you, I need to go, uh, in order to get to Richard, I need to get to, go to you. Right. If this is confusing, try to imagine no, no, that. I, get it, yeah. I totally get it. You have uh, this multi tenant situation where you've got mm-hmm. items on the tree that are, are have different permissions. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, can't just put permissions on the tree. Yeah. And so that means that every time that you open the tree, you have to go all the way down the tree to all of the nodes to see if you have anything that you're missing. The equivalent of a table scan. 
Well, no, it's worse. Because it's worse. the tables can at least happens on the server side. Yeah. yeah. This happens that, okay, make a query for each level, then make another query for uh, every item in this level. Yeah. You're absolutely uh, right. Yeah. That's terrible. And what ended up happening was that I said, okay, the, the number of entries in here was something like uh, 500,000. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's suck all of that into a .NET dictionary. And then the cost of doing that moved from, okay, let's go to the uh, database. Let's do, an, in most cases, all-login uh, operation on 500,000 times the number of items. Then it just it became a linear scan of the operation. Right. So I changed that and it moved from uh, 40 milliseconds, 20 milliseconds, 5 milliseconds. Right. Wow. And just, you know... It's two weeks to write something like that and make sure that you get all of the uh, behavior properly. Did you say 40 milliseconds? Because at first no. I thought you said it was 40 Four seconds. 40 seconds yeah. optimized by an amazing DBA to 20 seconds. 20 seconds. After I finished with that, it became five, five milliseconds. milliseconds. All right. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah. At that point, I left it because no one actually right, cared that yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that you have to... I, I basically did that, yeah. yeah. And that was at least, you know, one case that I, I, I felt that the customer had justification doing things like that. Right. In another case... And that, I, wait a minute, that was just April that you did that? No, that was... Um, dear God. Uh, it was a while ago. October of 2008. Oh, long, long time. Yeah. That was one of the reasons that... that uh, because that was what I did all yeah. the time. And, and this is this was one of your inspirations towards reading yes, DB. Was exactly. it's got to be a better way? Exactly, right? because eventually I, I found I, I sat down and said, "It's not possible that everywhere I go I find people that make the same mistakes." Right. And they're not malicious. They're not stupid. Most of them are incredibly competent and are trying their best to do something amazing. Yeah. And they keep doing stuff that. What the hell were you thinking? Right. And then you realize that they weren't thinking. They were busy doing a good UI, making sure that uh, it fit all of the right platform. At the time, it was Firefox and IE. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Today, it's much more than that. But uh, uh, and the, the, the concept of how do I get the data and, f and how do I get it officially just didn't exist. Yeah. Right. And another problem was that the uh, level of uh, complexity that you have in application just became incredibly more complex, incredibly more rich. And if you try to shove it into a relational database, that means, oh my God, so many tables. Right. And well, we're all trying to do third normal form, right? Yes. You know? So yes. let's say a customer comes up to you here at Techorama mm -hmm. and they say, I, I get NoSQL, I get why it works. Why should I use RavenDB over anything else, Mongo or whatever? Uh, what you, what, is that the most common question you get? Or what is uh, uh, most of the times, I'm talking to people who want to, who are feeling pain with a, a relational database. Yeah. Uh, the kind of complexity that you just talked about. So you're really trying to just convince them off of relational model uh, and into. Depending on the user scenario, the funny thing about uh, Richard's comment about Douglas is that. It's very easy uh, with having to be to model uh, in domain terms with large aggregates with a, a document, a JSON document that captured the entire meaning of what you're doing. Sure. And this is entity relational modeling, right? Yeah. Like you talk about they laid out a good UI and they, you know, worked all mm -hmm. these things. It's like somebody sat down, built an entity relationship model for all of the data, mm -hmm. which they then translated into columns and rows. Yes. And then it died when they actually try to do any sort of interesting operations on that. It, it's got nothing to do with actually executing on it. It's a beautiful model. Yes, it just... <laughs> it uh, just can't actually use it for yes, anything. Yes, exactly. I mean, actually, it'll work great as long as the number of rows doesn't get above, like, two. <laughs> <laughs> no, th th that's the, the whole point of, in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice. Right. Because, yeah, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Now, now let's, you know, take a simple example, invoices. Invoices yeah. says discounts and payments. Now, what I want to find, I want to find uh, invoices that haven't been paid in full yet. Right. Yeah. Now, just think about it's, what, two, three, three tables that you have to deal with? That's fine. Here's a problem. What happens if you accept 
multiple types of payments. So I can either pay you in advance and then you deduct from the credit that I have, right. yeah. or all sorts of stuff like that. And suddenly, the, the, the question that you ask... Yeah, you have the rolling balance problem now, yes. right? Where I have a series, of, a series of invoices that represent a debt and a series of payments that alleviate that debt. Yeah. And, when I, and, and, but and so now I get to a non-zero balance. You either owe money or you've overpaid. Yeah. But you're trying to answer the question, what invoice hasn't been paid? Yes. So what invoice do I associate that payment with? And then it becomes a game of who is going to give up first. You're right. And when you start talking, okay, what happens if I actually model things properly? If, I ha if the invoice that I have that is currently sitting on so many tables, uh, what happens if it was a single document? Right. And then suddenly you, uh, you go to the business and says, okay, here is the invoice document. And you hold up the paper. Physical right. paper, says, and this is the payment document. They're sitting here. What do I do with them? Right. Says, oh, uh, and then they actually can give you an answer. And if you try to start drawing the ERD on the board, then it just give you a blank still. Right. And uh, so th that's a major part of that. The funny part is that uh, relational database are still amazing for a whole bunch of. Uh, Areas in particular, if I want to do reporting, or if I want to have the a, a legacy system work against that, or if I want to just you know, a, I have a I have a business user here. Here's the data. Go play with that. Right. And I cannot do that on a real production database because you know they will write queries against this thing yep. and they will take down the entire server. No matter how powerful that is. Yeah. <laughs> and no uh, matter how powerful the server is, there's yes. a more powerful query out there to kill it. <laughs> and, uh, how about five unjoined tables? <laughs> how about six unjoined tables? So what typically happens now with RevenDB is that we actually have uh, support for saying, okay, here are your documents in JSON format, and then it just tell me, uh, here is a script that convert the document format into tabular format, right. and we will automatically write them in the background to a, a relational database, SQL, Oracle, Postgre, whatever. Sure. And that just happens. And now you have, uh, now you're back into... Uh, the 90s where you have you know the uh, OLTP database and the reporting database yes. which was what you're supposed to do all the time but they're just different architectures yes. completely yeah and now you actually have uh, something that is best suited to each uh, each kind of inter interaction each role yeah uh, and it makes a tremendous amount of difference yeah uh, in the well, level and, of complexity. I mean, my, my two relational databases in that scenario were architected differently, right? Like my OLTP database had the constraints on it to validate incoming mm -hmm. data, but not a lot of indexes. Mm -hmm. in the in and then I had synchronization going to pump it over to the, to the mm -hmm. relational store or, or to the, the reporting store, although it might be a daily, if not a continuous. Yeah. And then it's heavily indexed so that it queries efficiently. Yeah, but then you have an interesting problem. What happens if I need to actually make a query? Right. And then I have to hit the reporting store. Yes. And in this case, my data is a day late. Yeah. And then you have... Well, we used to always have this conversation about the granularity data. You don't want to look at today's sales because today's sales aren't done. You yeah. want the last <laughs> complete day's sales. It used to be that uh, I got a report every day about the uh, how much sales we had. Right. And I remember uh, missing out on a demand change and suddenly I went from, you know, Full month to know and what just happened to my bank account? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, uh, but it's actually funny when you start thinking about the kind of this kind of reasoning yep. is actually a, 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 almost to the point that you excuse the a, the technical limitation. Right. So um, this is something that I, I actually do in the, in the uh, boot a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, Let's say that they have a list of uh, products. I'm online shop. I have 10,000 products and 100 million orders. Right. And all I want to show is how much I sold of each item. Yep. So it's an absolutely trivial uh, uh, go by uh, operation, mm -hmm. which you can never run. <laughs> because if it, uh, and the sad part it is that if you test it on your local machine, Everything works just great. It'll work great. Yes. Yeah. And then you move to the production machine that has, no, then you move to the uh, staging server, where, which has, you know, the, the same size of the data, mm -hmm. but has just a single user. And right. it still works so, so great. It works. 
Yeah, and then you then you realize that when you actually push this to the uh, actual website, every time someone goes into the into the product page you're actually going to run this query yep. and now something very interesting happens you're actually punishing the successful products right the more orders a product have the more time it's going to take to process this query because yep. this is an all-in operation on this product and for fun the more orders a product have the more popular it is so you're going to make this you know this is very more often so effectively you created the denial of service on yourself nice but only if the product's popular. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so if the product is popular, it, it pops works up. like a charm. <laughs> if the product is popular, it's, yeah, it's very doomed. slow. Yeah. And because the product is popular, you're actually going to generate that query a lot. That means that there's going to be a lot of iron computation on the server, right. and it's slowed on the entire team. Yes, which means you probably slow down sales for that product. So in some ways, that product <laughs> being popular makes it harder to sell that product. I, w- I wish it was just for that product because yes. it probably impacted everything. everything. Yeah, those are what we call good problems. Now yeah. you just have to be smart enough to fix them. Right. Yeah, but that's that's actually the problem because yeah. now remember, all you want to show is this product sold X amount of time. Mm. Right. So now you're saying, okay, uh, this is a business requirement. Now what I need to do, I need to uh, have a separate reporting database, or if I don't have a separate reporting database, maybe I need to do it once a day. I need to make sure that uh, uh, this is done in off-peak hours. Uh, if I have a lot of products, then I need to make sure that I don't get to the point where I have so many products that the operation overrolls into actual peak hours. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, one number on a page become three weeks of uh, development that involve a DBA development, a, a sysadmins, the, a, and then you go to the customer and start asking, okay, how much does this number matter? Can we do it on a weekly basis? Can right. we do it on a daily basis? And the customer, I want the customer from the customer perspective. I want it now. Wanted that any time I want it. Yeah, yeah. And that's painful. Very painful. So uh, with revenue, what we have done, we have actually uh, implemented MapReduce. And MapReduce is effectively just a way to do group buy in a slightly more complex fashion. And the reason that you need to go to this slightly more complex fashion is that this actually gives you the ability to do this in incremental fashion. So instead of every time that uh, you render the page, you go and scan all of the docu- all of the uh, uh, orders for this uh, yeah. product, what you're doing, when you create the MapReduce index, you scan it once, yeah. you have the results, and then every time there is a chain, just need to increment or decrement the value. Right. It's actually quite a bit more complex than that yeah, but, practice, that's but, that's, but that's the idea and now you now you change things so instead of having to wait for a, you know the daily or weekly report now it's you know you made an order then it's going to be there within a, within you know a couple of milliseconds yeah. if it's a heavily loaded server lots of work maybe a couple of seconds but that's it and now the and that just makes sense. It does make sense. And that's the kind of thing that uh, uh, we thought about when we actually designed really to, to solve those, those mm-hmm. sorts of problems. There were other problems for people just being unaware that there is an actual database behind the scene. Right, right. right. And then the, the worst case scenario I've seen was 70,000 queries per page view. That's 70,000. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And How is that possible? Oh, uh, <laughs> easily possible. Every uh, what actually happened was that every single uh, UI component in the page had a security mechanism that controlled what kind of whatever you can see it, whatever it was read only, read write, or stuff like that. Yeah, but every UI component, I'm talking about every column in every grid. Nice. Yeah. So for every column in every grid, you would issue multiple queries to the to the database. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Ah, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to tell you the one about the DBA who tried to debug a website. He couldn't find the source. You know what happened? What happened? He thought index HTML was just a list of record IDs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he can't even talk. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> Carl did good joke. All right, it's actually time to give away a complete Music to Code by collection. 
to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to Code By is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet, and groovy instrumentals scientifically designed to promote focus. It will get you into a state of flow and keep you there. And see how .NET Rocks fans and guests are being more productive mm-hmm. with Music to Code By? Check it out at musictocodeby.net. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is John Talon. Well, just John. Clappers for you. Clappers for John. The clappers. Yeah, the clappers. Those aren't obnoxious at all. Uh, no, just <laughs> completely obnoxious. <laughs> and I actually got these as a gift, and uh, I have four of them. So I get to take one, keep one in my bag, one at the studio, and I the see. other two are broken and thrown away. A clapper distribution model. I like that a lot. <laughs> what I used to do is have all four. And, you know, Shake them all at once? Because that's not obnoxious at all. called a round of applause. <laughs> uh so John Talon just won the Music to Code by Complete Collection, a fantastic prize. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And Oren, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Oh, a better server. Really? Yeah. Just a new server? Yeah. For the house, for the business, oh, no. for what? Uh, so what we're doing right now is... So we're now working on Revenue before. Yeah. And a major part of that is a complete focus on performance and what ended up happening was that uh, we found out that uh, we literally could not saturate the the server anymore right because we completely saturated the network the nice. network was the bottleneck yes so I, I think that it's uh, right now I think that the number that we have is 130 thousand queries per second so why wouldn't you buy a new network oh uh <laughs> But we went to Amazon and got the highest machine that they have okay. and tried to uh, test it there. Uh, and apparently the Linux kernel has some uh, bad defaults or something like that. For oh, that. Um, so when you say network, you mean the internet? Oh, no. I mean, mean the, local? I mean, literally, we plugged in a gigabyte uh, connection oh. between two machines. So the point to point. Okay. It was uh, a local network. Yeah. And it saturated that. Yes. And what we now need is a couple of servers that has 10 gigabytes and trying to see where we can take it from I there. See. And wow. Yeah, it, it's funny. The, the, um, the kind of thing that we're doing now is basically uh, take every feature apart mm. and see where it's painful, what we can do to fix that. And once we've done that, uh, we have allocated anything between three days to three weeks on uh, just, you have this feature, make it run faster. Right. Here's a question. Your, your biggest customer, and mm-hmm. I mean in terms of throughput and scale mm-hmm. and all of that, you don't have to name names, but can you, do you have any stats that you can tell us like how, how uh, well it's running? One of our customers is running 1.5 million uh, RevitB nodes. That's 1.5 million, million nodes. Yes. yes. Uh, mostly, uh, they're effectively... We actually have a conference in Texas in the end of May, and uh, the guy who is responsible for designing the system is going to be there and talk about that. So when you say nodes, these are basically copies of RavenDB that are working not on one document? But no, no, no. They're all of them working... So if they... Yeah, maybe we can. Maybe we should just talk about the architecture of, of yeah. how how something like that works. Uh, what they end up doing is uh, they have a set of uh, locations, and in each location they have a set of servers that they use to do a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. And it doesn't sound like your typical CRUD app. No, it's not a read app. It's everything is uh, localized, and then you have a whole bunch of work that is taking. Uh, some aggregate of the data and pushing it upward Got to it. regional, national, and uh, global uh, 
Uh, so there's uh, a lot of replication going yes, on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, that's the biggest one in terms of nodes. And what about in terms of traffic? Uh, traffic. Uh, NBC is using us. NBC.com. Okay. Uh, at some point, I know that the Windows 8 gadget was driven by the uh, RavenDB backend. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's running now. Wow. Uh, That's kind of iron- irony right there, isn't it's it? It's pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, again, uh, at some point, uh, we moved servers yeah. a, a while ago. And at some point, uh, we noticed that... Uh, the system flagged us as being under DDoS. Okay. And we started looking That's at that. And, amazing. Yeah, and, and seeing what, what's going on. And that point we realized that um, uh, sometimes a, a server uh, will uh, check with the licensing service to see if the service, the, the, the license is valid. And that team crushed us. Wow. Because uh, that thing was, you know, you write a licensing server, uh, uh, I wrote that one in 2009, yeah. and I paid it as much as, about as much as, uh, attention as I paid on putting on my shoes. <laughs> yeah, so right. I need something that, you know, take an XML file, verify a, a, verify a signature, and a look up in a database to see if this is valuable. But yeah, yeah. I think it was less than 200 lines of code. And you throw this in, and the endpoint pretty much forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. And when we moved servers, uh, it started flagging the, on the number of requests. The old server apparently was busy most of the time handling that, but we didn't have the uh, infrastructure to detect that uh, this is actually this is what's going on. And it was, uh, I'm, like, I'm looking at it and I said, hmm, maybe we need to actually see what's going on. And uh, yeah. we started looking at that and some we have... One, uh, the 1.5 million is a good one. The other yeah, one yeah. is a, a, there is an accounting software that uses RevenDB and that's deployed to 50, 60,000 locations, stuff wow. like that. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Can we ask you what happened with Octopus? Uh, Octopus uh, ran into a problem with, uh, with Blame, I think. With uh, blame? Blame, yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Yeah, tell us. Uh, let's say that you're running on commodity hardware. And you have, a, you have a hard disk, and the hard disk is supposed to keep data. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And something happens. This can be anything from a cosmic ray to a, a, a power outage yeah. to a, you know, any, a monsoon. Whatever. Yeah. Typically, a power outage. Yeah. And at that point, uh, the system boots up. And then you realize that the hard disk is a dirty little liar. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And Richard is laughing because he probably encountered people trying to run actual databases on, on commodity hardware. Right. And all of the issues that come from that. Yeah, sure. And the basic issue is very simple. Uh, when you're looking at a, at a hard disk, and then you can tell the hard disk, okay, write this. And I says, okay, I will write that. And at some point in the future, it will do that. Yeah, sure. Delayed writes. Yes, and that's something that is incredibly important for performance. Yeah, in Because rating. actually, if you talk about spinning this, then you actually have to wait for something to move at it. Yep, yep. Until it's happened, if you're talking about a, a, a STD, SSD, then a, there's still a actual cost of writing to the to the right. hardware which can be alleviated if you can do it in larger batches yep right so we have buffering all the way through yeah at some point I actually pointed out and you have the user mode kernel mode file mode uh, 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 user mode buffer kernel mode buffer file system buffer this driver buffer the on this buffer and the uh, uh, and the um, on this cache so you're mm-hmm. saying they had a problem with uh, faulty hardware and so what happened? Itself? Yeah, so basically you just have to accept that if you write it to the disk and someone pulls a plug, you may have a data corruption. Yeah. Right. Database can't have that. So database have all sorts of ways to avoid that. One of them is to ask the data, the, the hard disk nicely. Look, when I'm writing this thing, ignore all the buffer in the middle. Just hit the right. actual yeah. disk and write it and only let me know when you're actually done. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
as I mentioned, this is incredibly expensive. Right. If you have a commodity in Hardis, then what they do is they lie. Yeah. And they lie because when you run benchmarks, they test for that because that's the actual meaningful thing. Uh, so they tell you, oh yeah, I wrote it. And they put it in a cache somewhere. Oh. And if there is an outage, then something happens. I see. Now, uh, when you combine that with a with something like Octopus Deploy that is deployed on commodity hardware, and if there is a failure, then uh, and, uh, they're deployed to a very large number of, uh, I mean, Octopus, they're deployed to a very large yeah, number of, of endpoints on various sorts of hardwares. And what ended up happening, uh, as I understand it, is that they started getting complaints about, okay, there is some problem with your database. And at that point, it's an issue of blame. If when they're using, a, and I think they moved to SQL Express. Yeah. Uh, when they use SQL Express, DB. Hmm? I thought it was Damien said document DB is what they moved to. No, SQL Server. They did. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, when they're moving to SQL Express and there is a problem with SQL Express, the person they're going to blame is going to be Microsoft. Right. Right. When sure. they they are using RavenDB and there is a problem, for the same underlying reason right. they're going to go to uh, say, I don't know how to handle that yeah. I'm going to open a support call with Octopus Octopus needs to handle that support call in yeah. some fashion sure. and with SQL Express so I could say that's guys, their problem because you guys have it sounds like a very high throughput high scalability high availability systems out there yes and you know a deployment tool isn't particularly high demand is it uh, it's not an issue of demand. It's an issue of the number of instances that you have and what you're running them on. Yeah, right. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it uh, here's a good example. Uh, the customer with the 1.5 million uh, uh, million nodes, yeah. they are seeing uh, anything between 30 to 50 uh, uh, node failures a month. Huh. Where not failure means that the uh, uh, server uh, rebooted, yeah. and there was some sort of a problem. Right now, in their case, they're running on explicitly crappy hardware. I don't have any okay. way other way of saying that. But they have enough redundancy that they, 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 they basically said, "Okay, uh, I know that I'm uh, writing crappy hardware. I'm running on crappy hardware because that's a, a, a that's cheap, basically." Mm. And um, one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to make sure that we have enough uh, a redundancy in each right. location. Yeah. So if there is any sort of problem, they can effectively blow away a database sure. yeah. and replicate it from the secondary system. And they typically have multiple systems on the same uh, locations. That's never been an issue. Uh, Octopus Deploy had, I don't know if they have the same number, but they have, were deployed to many, many... Uh, many machines on many those configurations right. and they had to deal with that yeah uh, okay cool yeah thanks yeah. thanks for addressing that we, w we were a little perplexed as well we were talking about you know the whole energy relationship model and, and the, the way we model data when you go to model non-relational data what do you do different I don't start from the concept of an entity. Right. I typically start from... Okay, let me start from the beginning <laughs> and see if I can expand that. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, when you start talking about ERDs or uh, relational modeling, mm -hmm. you start with the concept, with the conceptual idea. Right. This is what I want to express. I'm going to uh, express this in abstract terms, and I'm going to rely on the database engine to uh, transform that to me in every which way as I query that. Yeah. That's one of the best... I, I have customers, I have products, I have orders for products from customers. Yes. Yeah. And then I can, if I need uh, uh, to get customers for orders or products for a uh, products purchased by a particular customer, then it's easy for me to do the query. Right. And that's the major strength of the relational engine because mm -hmm. it's so flexible. That's also the major problem because uh, you tend to build something that is abstract and can fit anything. Right. And there is also another issue because relational databases typically have been incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. And are getting more expensive, really. Yeah. I mean, licensing on SQL Server is through the roof. Yeah. Uh, that makes it very easy to compete against them. Yes. But <laughs> let's not tell them about that. Uh, and at some point, you realize that uh, uh, in order to save costs, then you have 
then you almost never buy a single application, database license for single application. Right. You buy a, 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 a database to be, to be a department or even organizational database. So everything goes into this, and now you have the notion of, oh, we have the, cust- the, the, the organization-wide customer entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, the, that's one of the major problems with relation modeling. Now, let's, let's go and look at the constraint that we have with non-relation uh, modeling. And here we're talking about, okay, A, I, typically the cost per database is dramatically low. Mm-hmm. The, uh, my ability or my desire to make a, a all sorts of very different, uh, sh- to, to transform the data into many different shapes is limited by two reasons. A, sometimes by what the database will uh, allow me to do. Right. Uh, but typically because the size and the scope of the data is big enough that it's impractical to try to transform this on the fly. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm, I'm starting to uh, ask, okay, let's avoid the, the abstract uh, thought. Let's talk concretely. I need to show an invoice. I need to uh, track user actions. I need to uh, uh, look up a... Uh, uh, a route, a, a, a route for a postal service, all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I actually need to see? And the, I typically like to start by, a, okay, let's go back 100 years ago. How would you actually uh, model this on a piece of paper? Because uh, when you think about it, a lot of the time what you want is actually that. You want to say, okay, when I'm looking at a piece of paper, think about uh, your taxes. Your taxes, your taxes contain a lot of extra information that you don't actually need. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could put in, a, you know, a, a section seven, look up the meaning of section seven in a, a tax tome number one, two, three, blah, 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 blah. Right, right. And you go to the library, find the tax tome and start figuring out what the hell it's mean. Right. But they put in, you know, a short explanation of what it's supposed to mean. You still don't do it to yourself, I hope, but at least you have... A shot of trying. Right, right. Uh, they, so, they gave, they told you what it's about. Yes. It's right there. Yes. So that's the idea. When you look at the piece of paper, because you don't have access to all of the other uh, piece of information, then that piece of paper needs to be coherent on its own. Right. So that and uh, uh, so that means that you can look at that piece of paper and understand what it's what it's doing. Uh, that also that also leads to some really interesting. Uh, observation about the model. Let's talk about the uh, classic model of, uh, again, online shop, invoices, orders, and customers. Uh, so I'm issuing an invoice to uh, .NET Rocks. And uh, then I realized that, you know what, um, I issue another invoice, another invoice, blah, 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 and stuff, stuff like that. And then you tell me, you know what, next invoice that you issue, don't issue that to .NET Rocks, issue that to uh, Run as Radio, whatever. Right. And then I go into my uh, database, say update a uh, customer number X, set value, set a uh, name, uh, equal run is radio. Where and it was that. .NET Rocks before. Yes. That's bad. Now, what happened to all of the old invoices? Yeah. Because all of the invoices now have changed from being a .NET, .NET Rocks to being run as radio. That's actually data corruption that happened because I was trying to uh, normalize the data. Yeah. Right. So the problem is that uh, now there are ways of handling that in a But, you know, one could argue that's not the fix, right? The fix is to go against a separate entity instead of .NET Rocks changing it to run as radio. But uh, yeah, but but, that, now, uh, but but maybe it was the example that's bad because those are already two separate entities. You're sure. saying you're saying uh, what if we change the name of the show to Run As Radio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you you know what? The, I actually ran into that in the course of a a bug that was raised because of a police investigation. Wow. So what happened was that a, a woman got married. And apparently that happens. No yeah, one has seen that. It does. <laughs> Strange uh, thing. Yes. And what happened is that she and her husband had a open a joint bank account. So she goes to HR and it tells the child, please pay all of my future paychecks to this joint bank account. Mm-hmm. And they did that. And then uh, they go into a they're going to a bank and says, I want a mortgage to buy a house. So the bank says, okay, I need the last six months of your pay slips. So she goes back into HR and says, hi, I need the last six months of my, uh, I need copies of my last six months of pay slips. And they print it out. 
and they print it out with the uh, old, with the new with bank the new information. Right. The bank looks at that and says, hmm, that, that uh, bank account didn't even exist there. Right. You're trying to defraud us and, wow. uh, uh, and they call the police. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Just because some DBA didn't do his or her job. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you think about it, that DBA conceptually did the job right. He say, I, I, was, I said in the, 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 the design discussion afterward, this is, this is the normal form. Yeah, yeah, but supposed but to that do. normalization fixes that problem, though. No, it doesn't. Normalization wait, caused wait. that. But wait, instead of having you know, an address field in a record, you could have an addresses table and just point the current address to the That's other what they addresses do. table. That's what they did. And what but happened is that they updated that value. Right, but your, your, your paychecks is where the address needs to be linked to, not no, what the happened customer, was that the, not the, uh, the person. What happened was that they had uh, the bank information table, the employee table, and the paycheck, uh, payslip table. Right. And what happened is that when they updated the... Uh, but uh, the payslip table is where what should have the, the, the foreign key to they the did. address. They did. But that they wasn't problem. updated all of the previous no, payslips no, to, no, no, the, to they the didn't. new address? What they did was they updated the bank information table. So the, the payslip never changed. The payslip still pointed to the right to, address. To the right, to the, to the, uh, right address ID. Yeah. Right. But the address changed. They, they, they said, uh, okay, I need to update this employee bank but information. They, they updated the wrong thing, though. They should have added another address. Exactly. Updated. But at that point, now you get into interesting discussion about, okay, now you need to update. Now you have, now you have a situation where once in bank information is in the system, you can never update it. Right. You have which, to create is, as, as, which is generally what banks do. It's all journaling. Right. You only add new rows. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then you get into... But the problem is that uh, in uh, payroll systems, uh, what you effectively have to do, you have to use something called temporal data modeling. Right. And temporal data modeling is uh, fun because you can do things like this. Uh, Carl, I decided to give you a raise. I decided to give you a raise retroactively three months ago, which would be pay uh, in three months. I see, yeah, so it's all about time. <laughs> yes, because, yeah. and why do I do that? I do that because in this way I can uh, uh, put the, uh, your raise on your taxes for 2015, Right. put my expense on 2016, and a whole bunch of crazy stuff like that. Yeah. So now Which is basically fraud. Yeah. No, you know. it's the absolute legal. I know it's legal, but it's still it's legal fraud. Let's yeah, put it that way. It's because uh, it's, it's legal. Call make it, it shenanigans. Right. Yeah, because that's that's a good. Yeah, it is shenanigans. It's serious yeah. shenanigans. And now you get into interesting issues of okay, what was your paycheck two months ago? Right. Because now you have three different views on what that paycheck was. Because you have that paycheck at the time it was paid. Yeah, that paycheck, as it is right now, there's this paycheck from three months ago. All of the same thing, all of them three different values. Mm-hmm. And I, I once had to uh, work with an accounting system built for, uh, built for the government. And the government has all sorts of interesting uh, budgeting rules. For once, let's say that... Uh, they have all sorts of interesting rules, period. No. Um, it's crazy because they they actually paid me from the budget line item from 96. I was in high school. Wow. Talk about shenanigans. Yeah, because they had money left up. Right. And all sorts of stuff like that. So now you're talking about temporal data systems and leaving aside people who do crazy stuff with time and money, uh, temporal data systems are incredibly hard to model. But when you start saying, okay, what happens if I treat everything as a document, as a physical document, I pr- as if I printed it out. Right, right. And it's coherent and concise on its own. Sure. That, that, that means that the bank information is embedded inside the document. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things that I, I, when I'm teaching document modeling, then that's one of the things that people have a really hard time, time with. Right, because they say, right. wait, you're denormalizing data. Right, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a sin. Yeah, and it's I just actually, a, it's a visceral reaction just yeah. because of what we've been taught. Yeah, I actually had people tell me that's a sin, as in yeah. you, I don't yeah, yeah, know yeah, how yeah, to whatever. explain that. 
Uh, it's the level of purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. But, you know, and a simpler scenario there is, give me, this guy's been, has been, we've been selling stuff to this guy for the past three years. Give me the addresses of where we delivered everything we sent him. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in a normal relational model, you only have one address for the guy, and you update it when he has a new address, yes. when he gets a new address. Now you have to go backwards, right? If it's normal, if it's done correctly, though, you will have everything. Yes, but you have to recompose it, right? Is the date that he changed, that he updated his address with you actually the date that he moved? Or did it come later? You know, did you ship something to the old address when he actually already moved to the new address, got returned, and then got changed? Well, the answer is to not create, not change addresses, right? It's to yeah. create new ones. Right, yeah. but that still creates problems because you have this temporal relationship what about between order data and, da- and address data. Yeah. Think about it. What about phone number? Phone number changes, and you actually... Yeah, so now, but what you're saying is it, if you're going to do it right, it forces you down a path of normalization that gets too granular. We well, don't normalize. Right? The whole answer here is you store the document. Yeah. That every order has the address in it. I, I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying. That if, if you were going to do that right, say a phone number's table. Yeah. Are you kidding me? A phone number table, right? Yeah. Do that's, you really want to go there? That's where we end now up. Now, you're, now you your want SQL to go there? Try gender. Yeah. joins, and you know now your SQL hey, queries have nineteen yes. joins. Yeah. And you see that? Hell, I seen I seen databases where gender was actually gender had to be a Change. temporal. Yeah. And you had at some point you had a male, female, other refused to answer a null. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've worked refused on to answer a null with different different yeah. values. I've worked on those databases. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and they, they crawl. And you had to just try to imagine what it means to load the, 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 the employee, the employee right. Uh, screen. Right. Yeah. So the, benefit, the benefits of normalization then are not performance. They're, you know, compression. accuracy and complexity. No, uh, they were compression. If, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was, it was just about storage but, Right. But, but the thing that people, the reason they recoil isn't about that. It's not the composition. Because obviously, no. document DBs are great. But uh, the reason they recoil is because they think, oh, well, how will I be able to query across all easily. of those things? That's, of course. Yeah, yeah but, we know the answer. But, but the, here's a, the reason they recoil is an instinctive reaction that has been drilled into them. Yeah, yeah. sure. Here, here's a very simple example. You need to cross the street. It's a one-way street. I guarantee you look both ways. Right. Now, I don't know. Now, try. Here is something that you can try. You know this is a one way street. Look only in the direction of the traffic, the only direction that the traffic can come from, and cross the street. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's hard to do. It, you, it's you, hard it's to do. Incredibly it's also dumb to do. It is dumb because somebody could keep becoming yep, the wrong way. The wrong way. But again, this, this is these are shoulds, not musts. Yeah. You're right. But you, if you try doing that, you, you, there is a whole sense yeah. of uncomfortable, yeah, right. deep wrongness. Yeah. Yes, yeah. deep yeah. wrongness. Yeah, and technically speaking, you're correct. There is yeah. only one way this can come. Even if we talk about uh, something that physically they cannot come from the other end, yep. you will not be able to do that no. without feeling incredibly so, uncomfortable. So, Ayende, what's next for you? Uh, for all four RavenDBs, where we're mostly focused, yeah. uh, we're going to release RavenDB 3.5 in uh, about a month, probably with the Texas conference. Yeah. And uh, four is going to be great. We're running on Linux. We are. We're shooting to three to ten times performance improvement across the board, every across everything. Wow, that's so great. far we are pretty good in, uh, about doing that. And um, do you need testers? Is there yes. anything you want to ask the, the listeners? Uh, if they can go and download three point five, give it a, uh, give it a trial run. That would be awesome. Uh, probably by the time this shows else, then we'll have uh, the beta out. Yeah. Uh, if they want to try running RevenDB on Linux, uh, the 4 version is ready, and all of the tests are finally passing on Linux. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yesterday <laughs> I got a notification that we had a build failure on Windows, and the Linux uh, build is passing. Ah. So that's the first. All right. Well, yeah. Oren, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for everything. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. 
.NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a